and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. My name is Lauren Jackson, and I am so thrilled to be bringing you one of my local Colorado kids ministry friends. We met a handful of years ago when we were serving at churches that are a part of the same church network, and we've just continued to cheer each other on in the kids ministry world. And so I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation that I had with her. But before we get started, I wanted to share a quick announcement. Our fall cohort just wrapped up, and so we are looking forward to our spring cohort with such anticipation and excitement. Our fall cohort spots filled up so fast that we want to give you, our listeners, an opportunity to get the registration link first. So if you head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash cohort, you can sign up to get the spring cohort registration link the before anybody else gets it, before it hits social media, before it hits all of our other friends, but we want to give you, our listeners, the first access to sign up. So you can head over there, fill out the form, and get excited about our spring kids ministry circle cohort. All right, now on to our conversation with Autumn Gardner from Fellowship Denver. Autumn, welcome to the podcast. Lauren, thanks so much. It's fun to connect and to do it here on the podcast. Hopefully we have some great conversation and helpful things to share. So why don't you tell us about how you got started in ministry, where you're currently serving, and any other fun things that our listeners should know? (laughs) Well, one thing that I am proud of, it's not uh, not something that I can claim because it's just a birthright, something that I didn't choose, but I am a native Coloradan. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I uh, that's one thing that I want to be sure that everyone knows. <laughs> Make it very clear. <laughs> everyone knows about me. Yeah, my name is Autumn Gardner. I uh, have three kids, live in Denver, and have attended Fellowship Denver, where I now work, since 2007. So the church started in 2006. My family and I started attending in 2007 when my oldest child was just a few months old. And so she's grown up at Fellowship. And I started working at Fellowship in 2012. So I've been in this position now overseeing kids and family ministry for 10 years. Wow. Which uh, I I don't know what that says about (laughs) me that I've been overseeing kids ministry for 10 years. But the way I landed in this job was um, I grew up in a church context. My dad is a pastor in a small town in rural Colorado. And the expectation when you are a, a pastor's kid and be in a small town, in a mm-hmm. small church, in a small community, is that once you're old enough to start helping with the kids, you help with the kids. Yep. <laughs> so I, di- I started doing that probably when I was 11 or 12. I started helping with the younger kids. As I got older, I was a camp counselor. I taught Sunday school. I helped with kids' church. So Kids ministry in that sense has just always been around a part of my life. And then I got a degree in secondary education and was working not in education in Denver (laughs) (laughs) when uh, Dave, one of our pastors, asked if I would be interested in taking the job at fellowship. I had been volunteering in kids ministry and teaching, and I was working for a healthcare company at the time. Um, the woman who was overseeing kids ministry did an amazing job, but she was doing it as we all know how we all know how this looks. She was doing it as a mom and someone else who had another part-time job. And then she was going to have another baby. (laughs) So she just said, I can't keep doing the hours Mm -hmm. for fellowship that I'm doing. Um, and one of our pastors asked and, and she, this woman, Liz 
suggested very strongly to our pastors that they create a job description and make it a job. Yes. (laughs) And so uh, Dave asked me if I would like to take the job. And I said, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have a job that's working really well for my family. I uh, love our church. I don't want to. My real actual reason for saying no was I loved fellowship. I didn't actually want to get on the inside, Mm -hmm. as it were, and then see things that made me not love fellowship as much. So that was one reason. The other reason was that the religious environment that I was raised in tended towards legalism Mm -hmm. and tended towards performative spirituality. And I was in a process of sorting through what that meant, what it meant to have a ministry job. And so I said, nope, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Dave kept asking. I volunteered and I and another woman helped oversee kids ministry for a short time as a volunteer in a volunteer role. But uh, he kept asking, and then another man at the time who was functioning as sort of one of our executive leaders asked if I would consider the job. What really ended up happening was that my healthcare job kind of disrupted because it changed companies. A different company bought the whole entity, and then I was faced with the prospect of potentially needing or wanting to make a job switch, and Mm -hmm. this offer was still on the table. So ultimately God used yep. something that was just a really practical reality <laughs> in my life to steer me towards this job. Yeah. And now I've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> Yay. We love how God works like that. And you're like, okay, God, I hear you. I see what you're doing. I will follow you into this unknown of being in ministry. And I feel like a lot of leaders end up walking a similar path of they get called out by staff members or by pastoral staff that say, I see this in you. What does this look like? And it can be scary to jump in, especially like as you, at what exactly what you said of you didn't want to see behind the scenes. And I know that can sometimes be a shock to people. Was that a shock to you to look behind the scenes or was that not as surprising? Because my dad was a pastor, yeah. I think I had already seen the inside, at least of that yep. congregation. And then through college also was very invested in a small church Mm. and I was just in a volunteer role, but had some privy to the interactions between pastors and staff and uh, had seen enough and heard enough to be a little bit nervous. I was pleasantly surprised when I came onto staff at fellowship, which is really truly part of the reason that I stuck in the job that our pastors conduct themselves in a consistent way, privately and publicly. And they really are people of integrity who take feedback and I've seen them grow. And so uh, my fears were not realized. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) And that's like, that's a praise God moment, right? We we love to work alongside all staff that are continually striving to be more like Jesus. And it's always, it's always a good thing to hear that. So the last couple weeks on our podcast, we've been talking about what it looks like to partner with parents and encourage and equip them to be the primary disciplers. And I would love to know, what does that look like here at Fellowship Denver? What, is this, what, what does that look like in your context for your families and in the ministry that God has asked you to lead? I want to, before I share a few specific thoughts, I want to encourage someone who's listening who might have recently taken on this job Mm -hmm. as a kids ministry director, or if you're in a church that is younger and growing, Mm -hmm. or if you're in a season of recreation, 
I think this aspect of family ministry is A, incredibly important, and B, there were seasons in my own journey Mm -hmm. at fellowship in which really my time had to go to supporting the primary program, which was our kids' classes Mm -hmm. and the spaces that were specifically designated for our kids. So this has been an area of growth for me, figuring out this whole question of family ministry. How is it that we encourage and support parents Mm -hmm. to really see themselves in this role as the primary disciplers of their kids, Um, which I am a champion for Mm -hmm. now, but had to, that had to come with some growth and maturity in my role Mm -hmm. in ministry. So it's okay to be in a season when you're just contemplating it. And if the things you hear seem a little bit out of reach, just think about your context, Mm -hmm. think about what your families need and decide on one or two things that would start to move you in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just because... Autumn's doing it here in Fellowship Denver. Denver does not mean that you need to do it in your context. Exactly. And I love that that piece of wisdom of saying you don't need to copy, but maybe there are a couple things that you can stick in your back pocket and say, okay, great. When we get the Sunday to Sunday rhythm down and when we kind of get to a place where we can add on to the ministry, here are some things that we want to maybe consider adding. And I think that's a great encouragement. Yes, absolutely. So the way that this journey looked resulted in what is now our guiding family ministry vision. And then within that, I'll share some specific ways that Mm -hmm. we support parents. When we hired a student fellowship director, which is just, he's our youth pastor. We call it student fellowship here. (laughs) But when we hired a youth pastor, uh, we, I was coming to the realization that we were in a growing church with aging mm-hmm. children and they, who were aging into middle school. Yep. And we hired another person to help specifically with the middle and high school ministry. We only had middle schoolers at that time. Mm-hmm. But Michael, our student fellowship director, and I set aside some time to consider what we wanted to develop as our family ministry vision that would unite both mm-hmm. kids' ministry and student ministry and enable us. to step into this area of family ministry more fully, that of supporting parents and Mm -hmm. resourcing them and equipping them. The way we went about that process was we looked at the Bible and noted every time it mentioned family and then Mm -hmm. developed a biblical theology of family based on that work. We turned to other resources. We consulted different books that talk about different family ministry models. There are a lot of different thoughts, yep. <laughs> some very strong thoughts <laughs> about the right way to do family ministry. But we read some books that talk about family ministry. We looked at research mostly from Fuller Youth Institute, mm-hmm. Barna, and the Pew Research Center and asked what makes faith sticky. So mm-hmm. what enables kids to grow up in the church, see themselves as an important valued part of the church, and then continue on yep. to choose a church or a faith community for themselves after they leave the confines of your church congregation. Mm -hmm. So we asked that, and then we looked at our own context. Our context is Fellowship Denver as our church and Denver as Mm -hmm. a city. And where we're situated in the city slightly changes that context even. So out of that, we asked those four things. We did those four things, looked at the Bible, family ministry models, research, and our own context, and came up with a family ministry vision that was born out of that in hopes of surrounding kids 
through our church, through our programs, our kids ministry and student fellowship programs, and through parents who are themselves being renewed by the gospel, Mm -hmm. surrounding kids with this sort of love and intentional thought and teaching in hopes of affirming their kingdom value and setting them up to know and follow God, walk in his ways once they leave fellowship. Mm -hmm. So that was what we had in mind as we were developing all of this. And these are the three ways that we said our family ministry vision takes shape at fellowship. And those are age-appropriate teaching. That's anything we do specifically in a kid's class or program where we're leading it. It's contextualized to the age of the children in it. And parents are dropping them off. So they're in our care. So Mm -hmm. this is Sunday morning classes, our student fellowship gatherings, our summer program in which you have kids who are being dropped off to you to take care of, to teach. Those are age-appropriate teaching contexts. The second way that our family ministry vision takes shape is discipleship at home. When parents are renewed themselves Mm. by the gospel and invite children into a life of learning and following God in their home, um, then that is incredibly powerful. And we wanted to say, we as a church want to encourage that, both that mindset and Mm. then actually support and resource parents to do that. And then the third is church as family. And this does have to do with affirming the kingdom value of Mm -hmm. children. We want them to see themselves as an important valued part of our church now. Yep. Not the church of the future mm-hmm. and not an organizational problem to be solved, mm-hmm. but as a part of our church in a way that Corinthians and Ephesians talk about it with members of a body. Our yeah. children are just as much members of our body yep. as adults are. And so church is family. You might hear this called intergenerational ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens, church's family happens when kids, teachers not only just teach in a kid's class, but they also make efforts to know them, know mm-hmm. their families. Yeah. Um, this can happen in small groups really well, but we wanted to encourage this mindset and perspective yeah. for our whole church family to see our kids in that way and for our kids to see themselves as a part yeah. of our church. That's so awesome. within that, within discipleship at home, that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. This is a really long-winded way, sorry, <laughs> Lauren, of answering your question. But uh, within that discipleship at home component, uh-huh. this gives structure to what we plan and uh, pursue and mm-hmm. decide to focus on for our ministry. So when we go through our annual planning processes, we call it strategic planning. When we go through those annual planning processes, our ministry the, the time that we give to different things, the resources that we set aside for different things are run through these three expressions of family ministry. And we do uh, set aside time and resources to hold events mm-hmm. or resource families. So within each of these, so when we're going through our strategic planning, we ask what fits into this context, age-appropriate teaching, what really gets at this goal of discipleship at home, how mm-hmm. are we supporting and equipping parents, and then what encourages a perspective of church's family across our whole church family. Within that discipleship at home component, we, there are a few things, just practical things that we do. Mm -hmm. We send out a weekly newsletter that talks about what we learned. So we send it out on Mondays. We talk about what we learned in class the day before in our kids' classes. And then in that newsletter every week, we offer a resource. And these are a wide variety of resources. Mm -hmm. Some are for parents. Some are kids' books that we really like. Some are songs, like we'll feature the sing team or a fun uh, album to listen to at home. So we mix up the types of resources that we offer. 
that's one simple thing that we do each week. We work hard to find good resources and mm-hmm. share those with our parents. Yeah. And um, I love I love with the resources that it's not it's not always a do this at home. Mm-hmm. It's a listen to this song in the car. Like yeah. it's not a this week we're asking parents to do a devotional every day for this week. Sometimes it's so simple that any parent can jump on and listen to this album mm-hmm. or find this song or do something like that that maybe doesn't cost money. And it's just really a really easy next step, which I love because I feel like sometimes we're jumping to give parents things to do at home mm-hmm. that are family moments or family nights or whatever the whatever you want to call it but giving them an easy win of saying oh this is great this is something that I can actually do that then encourages them to do more in the long run is really helpful yeah that's so important (laughs) I mean you have little kids (laughs) I my kids are getting older but there have been moments when if if I had to execute one of those programs that required me to uh, set aside some time with an intentional, thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, moment with my kids, half hour with my kids, I would have definitely just felt like I was failing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in those seasons, things like songs mm-hmm. or like the beginner's gospel storybook Bible, that's when I really love for little kids, mm-hmm. just being able to read something yeah. that you already have yep. in your hands. It's a few minutes that you can develop really easy rhythms yep. around it. Yeah. Those types of resources are so helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. That's we also great. host a couple of um, events each year for specifically for parents. Mm-hmm. And the feel of those events is different. What we've chosen to do, even though I think there are so many different ways you yes. can run with this. And your parents and your church may need something different mm-hmm. than what our parents in our church need. Yep. So this is another area that really requires you to look at your context, mm-hmm. know your context and your church family, and then work to meet them yeah. where they are and encourage them. Yeah. Um, so what we do here at Fellowship is those events look like one parenting we call it a parenting seminar. <laughs> what it is, is like that we have come one coming up this Friday, actually. Okay. So by the time this gets released, it will have been passed. Mm-hmm. But at the moment that we're recording it, I'm preparing for it. <laughs> so this, we have one coming up this Friday that we do once a year. We call it gospel parenting. That mm. sounds uh, really spiritual. <laughs> but we provide child care. We get good food for mm-hmm. our parents and make it feel sort of like a really fun evening to come to. So we select food and beverages that make it feel like a nice evening, almost like a date night, except you're coming and hanging out with friends and church family. Um, And do that for the first hour and a half. So you get to drop off your kids, come and just eat good food, hang out with friends, have a chance to converse with parents in an uninterrupted way for a little while. And then one of our pastors and his wife host the rest of the evening and it's they incorporate some teaching a lot of discussion they're very good at shepherding people Mm. and so it's really an evening of encouragement we get to feed our families good food let them have space to talk to each other and then have a time of teaching that's encouraging and just encourages interaction between parents so that's one thing we do every year we typically also have one evening that is more focused on training parents, giving parents tools, really, on engaging their kids around spiritual topics Mm -hmm. at home. 
So this year we invited in some friends of ours from Family Time Training. Mm -hmm. They came and talked about their uh the materials that yep. they offer and the sort of process they encourage. And whether or not you choose that, which I think is a wonderful option, or yep. something else that's suited to your family, encouraging parents to just consistently think about how are you weaving these rhythms into your daily, weekly lives yeah. with your kids at home. Yep. Um, so that's one thing we do every year. The thing, the other third, third thing we've just started offering now that we have many more teenagers mm -hmm. and because of seeing the need culturally in Denver. Denver tends to be a more progressive city mm -hmm. and we want to love and engage our neighbors really well yeah. when you have kids and they're navigating the culture yep. as they get older on their own. It raises a whole host of other questions mm -hmm. for parents. So we have started holding also a class each spring. We've done one on sexuality this year, we're doing one on digital technology nice. for our parents. It's a yeah. three-week class that Michael and I put together the content for, and then parents can come for the evening. And we talk specifically about that topic in a way that is intended to encourage discussion and questions and give parents some tools yeah. to think deeply about how to help their kids do that, navigate this space while they're young, and then develop a biblical lens, yep. the ability to discern via biblical yeah. truth about issues that are really contentious mm -hmm. in do the world you, right now. Do you open up those classes to all parents or do you say, hey, mm -hmm. if you have kids ages X to Y, what do you recommend? Kind of like, how do you, how do you lead that for your ministry? Yes. We uh, are learning how to do this. So <laughs> we did one last yeah. year. And then afterwards we, we said, we would do that a little differently yep. next time, even though it was so good. Yeah. We came out saying, that was so good. And we need to do that again. This was yeah. about the class, the three-week class we held on sexuality. Yeah. And parents responded to it so well. Um, we opened it up to all parents. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do moving forward is still open it up to parents with kids of all ages, but then create some breakouts oh, that so talk smart. about, and I'll lead the ones for younger kids. Michael will lead the ones yep. with, for parents of older yeah. kids. Um, and we'll offer them some specific resources and some specific teaching and thoughts that are geared towards shepherding and discipling their kids yeah. at different ages. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I, I always love to work side by side with the students team because it just gives you another person to help teach and all those yeah. and answer questions. And especially I, I always love when there's that uh, men and women working together. It just brings mm -hmm. a different perspective, which I love for parents. Um, but that's so smart to then do breakouts and say, hey, parents of second graders, your technology in digital world looks very different than parents who have seventh graders. Yeah. And to be able to invite them into the conversation, but then be able to break out and say, hey, let's look at some practical things for that specific age. I think that's going to be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Or you can just say smartphones are really hard and evil. Yeah. And, and just don't. There's a big question mark. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we don't really know because things change so fast. <laughs> Oh, man. We're not well, going to say that, just to be clear. Good but. luck on that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you have some ideas for me, you can send them my way. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Uh, okay, so I love this. I think this is really helpful. One thing that stood out to me in the discipleship at home part of your vision is the first sentence of discipleship at home says, parents are renewed by the gospel and. Mm -hmm. And just this mindset of, 
if parents have not been renewed by the gospel, they can't then turn around and invite their kids to participate in the gospel. And I think that's just a really good acknowledgement as people are deciphering their own context and thinking about their own people of, of maybe getting your parents to disciple their kids is not the first step. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first step is inviting your parents to participate in the gospel. Yeah. And I just love how you guys wrote that intentionally and say, hey, one has to come before the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an encouragement to leaders everywhere, not just in kids ministry, but it's, hey, are you making sure your parents are being transformed by the gospel so that they can then turn around and impact their kids? And I mean, by the grace of God, we see this happen reverse sometimes of kids are transformed by the gospel and then yeah. they take that home. And what a sweet moment for kids to just change the scope of generations to come. But as we invite parents in, you can't just have a, this blanket statement of saying, hey, parents, you need to disciple your kids at home yep. because some parents don't know what that even looks like. Yeah. And so what would be your encouragement if, if a kids ministry leader was like, well, all of my parents are new to church. Mm-hmm. What would be a, here's a great step to start to equip them in this, in being renewed by the gospel and then having conversations at home. Mm, yeah. Thanks for bringing that out, Lauren. We talk about this a lot with mm-hmm. our parents. Yeah. And um, we also encourage our parents in that as they're renewed by the gospel, just whatever it is that you're learning. So God is at right. work in my life right now. And mm-hmm. there are things that I'm reading in the Bible, just in the natural way that I would talk to my teenager about something fun or funny or interesting that I read. Yep. Just in the same way, we'll talk about something that I read in the Bible that yeah. I'm thinking about. And it doesn't, uh, I don't have to have even a specific point in it, mm-hmm. except that this I'm engaging God's word in my mind and my heart and thinking about it. And then just literally telling them about yeah. that. Like, this is something I've really been thinking about lately or something I'm excited about learning. Or we, I had a conversation a while ago with May, one of my kids who mm-hmm. asked me what my favorite book of the Bible was. And I said, wow, I don't, I don't really know. And then we started talking about a passage in Ecclesiastes. That's not necessarily my favorite book of the Bible, but it led to just this interesting, I was like, I don't know, but something I'm really enjoying right now is thinking about this. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't, I think sometimes our hurdle is that we feel like we have to have specific answers Mm. if they ask big questions. And those moments do occur. Kids do have big questions. But a lot of times it looks like actually just talking about God as you go about your day-to-day stuff or turning on a song and singing along with Mm -hmm. it with your kids. Um, So that's that's not an answer to your question. So now (laughs) I'll answer your question. Uh, (laughs) um, But I'm really glad you picked up on that. It is something that we talk about with our parents a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're a church leader whose parents are generally newer mm-hmm. in the faith or that makes up a large part of your church congregation, mm-hmm. making sure that you are, uh, as a kids ministry, just connected with and aligned with the other ministries in your mm-hmm. church. Very likely there are other ways that your church actually is concerned about discipleship and yep. formation of, for people of all ages. Yeah. So uh, in a lot of churches, or at least many that I'm familiar with, this happens in smaller contexts like small groups. Mm-hmm. 
um, like community groups or life groups or whatever your church might call them. Mm -hmm. And so encouraging, helping families for kids ministry, not to own this process, but to also be a part of encouraging families to be a part of a smaller community within your church like that is is really important. Often yeah. that kind of formation and, and engagement with the gospel happens for parents with their peers mm-hmm. too. And that most often is in spaces that aren't unique to kids ministry. A part of it though, is actually as a kids ministry or as a family ministry leader, um, really just helping your parents see that this is a part of their role. Yeah. Um, so that may raise other questions like, well, then how do I do that? That might be scary <laughs> for some people, but even just to help people take that step of realization, uh, because we're so conditioned by our culture to see church and our kids' classes as the equivalent of like soccer team yeah. or the equivalent of music lessons mm-hmm. or whatever else. Fill right. in the, blank. the experts are teachers. Yes. Yeah. I'm sending my kids to piano to learn how to play piano. And I'm sending my kids to, to your class at church to learn about the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so because that just is, it's a natural rut we fall into mm-hmm. in a consumeristic society. We're yeah. conditioned that way. And so parents might, without even realizing it, just be treating classes, kids' classes mm-hmm. in that way. And so having a, a purview in which you can say to parents, like this is actually a part, a really beautiful part of your role mm-hmm. in the life of your child. And you are all the research says, yep. you don't have to tell them that part, but for you <laughs> to know that all the research says that their life at home, their relationship and interactions with their parents mm-hmm. are the relationship that will mark them the most for the rest of their yeah. life. So um, sometimes parents just if they're newer to faith or just becoming comfortable with the gospel, just don't realize that. And mm-hmm. so not to do it in a way that is putting a, placing a heavy burden on them, but helping them step into and grow in their role of parenting their kids in this way yeah. and to ensure them that you're doing it with yeah. them. So you're still present. They can come every week and drop their kids off and yeah. you will thoughtfully teach them and love them and care for them. And that's a part of yeah. this whole, of being the family of God yeah. and the church family. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I think uh, shifting gears just a little bit, and I think kind of the last conversation we had about parents and kids of all ages and all ages and stages, I think this kind of leans into kind of the next conversation that I wanted to talk to you about is, um, so I have a handful of people that come to, that go to fellowship that I know that I've known for many years. And what I love to see that is happening coming out of fellowship is just the entire churches care for families who are in the foster or adoption process. And I specifically wanted to talk to you because um, November is National Adoption Month. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, many kids ministry leaders are finding themselves in this place of caring for parents who have either adopted children or in the adoption process or in the foster care system. And that can sometimes feel like a whole other world of unknown mm-hmm. for kids ministry leaders of taking in kids who have just a whole slew of a, just a background information that we may not know as leaders and caring for them well, but then caring for the families well. And I would love to talk to you about how you guys are doing this. Like, mm-hmm. what does this look like for Fellowship Denver to really journey alongside these families who are caring for kids that need 
a home and a loving family for a season or for many years or whatever that looks like, um, I would love for you to share with us Mm -hmm. how you partner with your church and do that. Yeah, I think for anyone listening, this is something that's specific happening at fellowship. And so I'll share from a church level Mm -hmm. what you could do, what you could contemplate from an organizational standpoint. And then there's a personal level, mm-hmm. too, at which we as ministry leaders can just be invested in, yeah. involved in supporting foster families. So from a church level, the way it looks at fellowship is that it is all about partnerships. Mm-hmm. We have an entity at fellowship that's one of our ministries called Serve Denver. And the deacon who oversees Serve Denver puts a lot of effort into choosing very selectively which organizations in the city we partner with and then funneling our efforts as a church into actually supporting them really fully. Mm -hmm. So if we're giving money or we have a Christmas um, focus, service focus, or if we are going to organize within a ministry area like our student ministry sometimes partners with these organizations also Mm -hmm. for a service day, Mm -hmm. or we're going to encourage a fellowship group to select an organization to partner with, then we already have this uh, sort of sieve. There are many, many, many wonderful organizations doing a lot of good things in the city. And of course, anyone at fellowship has freedom to love and participate and support any one of those. As a church, our efforts are going to go towards these few organizations that we want to resource well. Mm -hmm. So we shift a lot of our giving towards them and we want to resource them with people power well. Mm -hmm. So that's one level is through these partnerships with organizations doing good work in our city. We have partnerships specifically with a few organizations that support kids and families in this way. One is called Project 127 and Project 127 primarily is involved in training families Mm -hmm. to become certified to be foster or adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. We partner with them. They offer different uh, ways that they partner with churches. So it's not only a way to be certified. It's also a way to support other organizations, support the work of foster parents and foster families, and they offer church training. Mm -hmm. Um, But we partner with them. We partner with Safe Families. Um, Safe Families is an organization that, as you mentioned before our conversation, Lauren, has a presence outside of Colorado Mm -hmm. as well and seeks to intercept kids who are headed towards the foster care system. So families have already been engaged by the Department of Human Services and are on some sort of plan to see if if children will ultimately need to be removed or not. But they, when Safe Families engages these families, um, they're not yet disrupted. The families Mm -hmm. aren't yet disrupted. Children haven't yet been placed in a foster home. Mm -hmm. Safe families seek to support those families in a number of ways. So they have a a lot of different ways to be present within their organization. You can support by giving resources, by babysitting, by driving Mm -hmm. parents or kids to and from school or work or wherever they may need to go. You can be a host home for these kids. So there are various levels and ways in which you can be involved. That's one partnership. Another is um, Save Our Youth, which is a mentoring program Mm -hmm. for Uh, at-risk youth. So that's one level of partnership. Another level of partnership that we encourage is internally. Mm -hmm. Our uh, pastoral care ministry Mm -hmm. is really the the ministry that shoulders the majority of this organizational effort. So Serve Denver 
is a participant in that, our deacon who oversees it in setting up those partnerships. And then pastoral care works directly with families who are in safe families and then families at fellowship who are in the foster care and adoption process or are currently fostering kids. One of the primary expressions of this at fellowship is through a group called Embrace. Embrace is for anyone touched by foster care or adoption. Mm. So there are now adults who are adoptees who are involved, yeah. and sometimes they help teach um, at Embrace or share parts of their story. There are families who currently have foster care kiddos in their homes. There are families who are participating with safe families and mm-hmm. are host homes for safe for kids who are in the Safe Families program. And there are families who have adopted children mm-hmm. who are a part of this Embrace group. There are families who are in the process of adoption and in the process of certification mm-hmm. for foster care who are a part of the group. And so Embrace meets regularly. They meet every month, sometimes in person, sometimes on Zoom, and they work through content together. And then some of their meetings are just for interaction mm-hmm. and encouragement. And through that, community. So that's sort of the hub through our pastoral care ministry and through our Embrace community. Um, That's sort of the hub of our care for foster and adoptive families. Mm -hmm. And then through them, through the leaders, both one who is on staff who oversees our pastoral care here, her name is Emily, and then through some of the lay leaders who organize Embrace for us, through them, then our different ministries, including kids ministry, are connected in a supportive way. Yeah. Typically, any of those families are involved in multiple ways right. in a church. So they're attending a small group. It's important for our fellowship group pastor to be aligned with what's going on mm-hmm. in in pastoral care yeah. and in embrace and in through embrace because those families are also in fellowship groups. Yeah. Uh, for kids ministry, we're involved in a number of ways, but primarily because those families are also a part of kids ministry. Yep. And so the way that partnership looks, from an inside level for kids ministry is uh, one that I just want to have classrooms and classes and teachers who are really welcoming Mm -hmm. to any of the kids who might be here, as you said, for a month or a few months or a few years. Or then we've also had families who have ended up adopting kids who were Mm -hmm. here as foster care kids first. And so some of our teacher training is distinctly toward that end, creating environments that are really welcoming for kids. That's one way that kids ministry specifically supports foster families at a church level. Another way is that anytime there's an opportunity to encourage all of our families to participate in something. So Mm -hmm. for instance, Safe Families offers what they call wraparound services. This is a common term in the foster care community too. Um, But when we had a family who was a host family and the mom and kids were eventually reunified, which is our hope. That's mm-hmm. the intent of safe families. And they were going to be settled in an apartment. So she had been working on transitioning out of homelessness. Yep. And they were going to be settled in an apartment. And so they needed to furnish their apartment. Yeah. And so I let all of our families at Fellowship know that this was a way we could bless these kids who had been a part of our Fellowship yeah. family for a few months was by helping them furnish their apartment. Mm-hmm. And so, But that happens through those internal partnerships, yep. through me being connected to the leaders of Embrace yeah. and then knowing what their needs are. Right now, our Christmas service focus is that we're collecting donations for Haven, mm-hmm. it's a kid's closet that offers new clothes and supplies for foster care kids. It's set up like a boutique and they can go shop there. Awesome. And so our foster families benefit from that, but also we can bless 
so many other yeah. foster care families in the community. And uh, so we're letting all of our families know about this mm -hmm. in this season. That that's what we're collecting donations for. Those are a couple of the practical yeah. ways that we partner with foster care families. That's at a church level. At a personal level, I think it's important for ministry leaders to just know who those families mm -hmm. are. And if you can, I understand the limitations of time and capacity and all the things you're juggling. But if you can, to just check in yeah. on them. And uh, so often, so many of these cases are just confusing and mm -hmm. complex yep. and what they mostly need, even though at times they really need physical support, what they mostly need is knowing that their church family is just really present with yeah. them in the hard times yeah. um, in the confusing times. And so there, there are various levels to which you can offer your own time and involvement. And it might depend on your personal attachment to that mm -hmm. family as well. Yeah. They're always in need of things like a meal yeah. or um, a babysitter, mm -hmm. <laughs> someone to just watch their kids for an evening yeah. or, and so to the extent that you or the people you're attached to in your ministry can support them really practically in those yeah. ways too. That is an incredible blessing. Yeah. That's awesome. One thing that, as you were talking, came to mind is it feels like you and your church staff has, has done a really good job of just having your ears perked. Like if they hear something about a need and it's just sharing the need so that it's not, it doesn't just fall in pastoral care. It doesn't yeah. just fall in the uh, send Denver deacon. It doesn't mm -hmm. fall just in kids ministry. Like you as a staff are really sharing the load of caring for not just these families, but all families. And I think that's just a really easy and simple way to one unify the staff towards one main goal but also just make sure that none of these families slip through the cracks mm -hmm. and there will always be situations where it's like oh I could have brought them a meal or I should have reached out last week and there's always those situations like you said of there's time constraints you can only do so much in a day um, but when multiple people are keeping their eyes and ears open for things that tends to not feel like you as the kids ministry leader are shouldering everything. Yes. And yes. even down to the small group leader level of your fellowship groups, even those leaders can keep their eyes and ears open for needs that arise. And then they can bring that to the staff. And I think that's a really important thing to think about when partnering with parents is it's not just your responsibility as the kids ministry leader. Mm -hmm. You can bring other people in. You can say, Hey, elder group or, hey, deacon group, I, I want to know how we can serve our families better. And because you're having all these conversations and because you're in different meetings that I am not, if anything's arise, let me know. Yes. And yes. I think that's, that is the goal, right, of how any staff should function. But sometimes it's just reminding people of like, hey, I know you have this event coming up. Would you let me know if you hear of ways that I can serve parents in our ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really great. And I love how like all your different events, but also how you bring other people in of saying, Hey, this is one thing that's happening. Could we all serve? Could we all participate in this? Okay. So one other question when partnering with foster care families, adoption families, if a kids ministry leader was experiencing this for the first time, they have a family come to their church they're in the adoption process. They're caring for foster kids. 
what is your recommendation for like, hey, do this first? If they, if they have no context of what this looks like, the language, like even you, as you were talking about it, knew certain language things that are common amongst this community of people, what would be your encouragement of like, hey, do this first? Yeah, ask the parents. If you can just snag them for a few minutes yeah. on a Sunday morning, this is would be my first step, first recommendation. Yeah. This is a good practice for all of us. If you see a family who, um, you, you may be able to intuit it, mm-hmm. but more often, often parents will mention something yeah. in passing that you can yeah. pick up on that their their child may be new to this or that their kiddo might have a hard time settling into a new context or mm-hmm. any of those indicators that give you a sense that, oh, there's something, there's a way for me to just be present yeah. in a caring way with mm-hmm. this family. That's my first encouragement. And then when you talk to them, really just be curious and be very open-handed. Mm-hmm. You might practically at the end of this conversation assess that you can't meet all of the needs that this child might have. Mm. You might have a smaller church. You might not be able to, if they have some special needs, you might not be able to make all the accommodations that you would like to, but very likely you can do something Mm -hmm. to meet them there. And so the first step is just asking the parents, asking them about their situation and just getting to know them. Not from a, not asking them because you're fascinated with their situation, but asking them because you want to care for and partner with them and provide a place where their child can be comfortable, where they can be comfortable dropping their child off. So often parents who are in these situations have more hurdles or barriers to Mm -hmm. accessing these common spaces that other parents might take for granted. So dropping a foster child off or a newly adopted child off at a kid's class at church or at school or in any place where the parent is no longer present raises a whole host of other questions for them. Mm -hmm. So connect with the parents first and just ask them, get to know them, ask them about their story, whatever they're willing to share, just listen to that. And then just ask if they have any suggestions Mm -hmm. about how you can be really welcoming to their child. Um, Sometimes they have one or two really practical things. Sometimes they, depending on if it's new placement uh-huh. or not, are just are asking the same yeah. question. They're also learning about They're their also child. learning, but they will be so glad that you've seen them yeah. and are wanting to partner with yeah. them that's in awesome. it. So that's my first encouragement. Yeah, that's great. And we will link all the things that Autumn has talked about so far, like Project 127, Safe Families, um, we'll link all that stuff in the show notes. So if you are listening to this and you are in Colorado, you can check those out. But also if you're not in Colorado, again, Safe Families is not Colorado specific. Um, and we may try and link some other uh, companies or organizations um, that are more nationwide to also yeah. help as resources. As a ministry leader, Lauren Project 127 offers some church-specific training. Okay. It's been helpful for yeah. us. Um it's called, they call it trauma-informed mm-hmm. training. It's yep. a version of what a foster care parent would go through, but it's for a context like a church, like that's a awesome. kids' ministry. And so I know that's sort of a buzzword. I, <laughs> I even hesitate a little bit to say trauma-informed training. The underlying goal yeah. is to create spaces in which kids can be connected yeah. in a healthy, appropriate, safe way to the adults who are there. Yep. So for teachers to just have a few more tools to know mm-hmm. how to connect with kids and care for kids is helpful. I have found 
for all of the kids we're caring for and yes. not only those coming from yeah. hard places. Yeah. Um, so Project 127 is a great resource. Sometimes they offer them just open to the public and you can just okay. go on their website and click on the link and sign up and go to a church that's hosting it. Oh, nice. They've also, if you gather a group of your own teachers, uh-huh. you can schedule directly with them. Oh, fun. That's awesome. Yes, we will absolutely link that um, in the show notes. So Autumn, our last question that we always ask is if you were connecting with a kids ministry leader who is brand new to ministry, their first ministry job, um, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Mm. Well, <laughs> if I were to think of myself taking this job that I've been mm-hmm. in now years ago, um, I think a really, this is a practical encouragement based on my own experience and also because now over 10 years, I'm a bit of an oddity in the kids' ministry world, yep. and so I just, people reach out with yeah. questions and scenarios, and I welcome those things. It's fine. I love hearing from other kids' ministry leaders, and I'm happy to offer thoughts when they're helpful, um, but I don't think it's because I've discovered any magic formula. I think it's <laughs> literally just because I'm still around. Um, so <laughs> And because you offer great encouragement and advice. <laughs> Yeah, very oh, thank helpful. You. Okay, thank you. All right. Well, maybe some of that too, but I'm still here. They're like, well, that autumn person seems to still be doing kids ministry. So, uh, no, but one thing that I've seen now over and over and over again is that it's essential for you as a kids ministry or family ministry leader to be well connected to your staff team, mm. your elder team, whoever your leadership is at your yeah. church, and to be aligned. Your yeah. ministry needs to, if it's going to, if you're going to last in that role and uh, see yourself as an important, valuable part of the organizational structure and to actually have access to the answers to questions and resources Mm -hmm. that you need to do your job well, um, then that connection to your organizational leadership, whoever that is, whatever that looks like, even if you're doing this in a volunteer yeah. way, some connection to whoever your staff support is or your pastor or is essential. Yeah. Without that, um, you could, there may be a few people who are really independent, autonomous leaders and mm-hmm. enjoy being able to execute in that way. Even so, I think it enriches your own experience, your own ability to grow as a follower of Jesus, your role as a part of your church family, if you're well connected yeah. to your team. Yep. And that looks different. Different staff teams are set up differently. And yeah. So, but that's one very practical encouragement. Yep. If someone wants to have longevity in yeah. kids ministry, if you're hoping to do this for a few years. Yep. You can't be on your own little island. You can't. And that can look like developing your own lay team of leaders too. Yeah. I did that initially. I had some amazing people without whom I would not have kept going mm-hmm. in kids ministry who were volunteer leaders, but we intentionally got together and discussed kids' ministry and prayed for kids' yeah. ministry. So that's one encouragement um, to people. The other is to remember your love for the kids mm. and to uh, recapture the joy of just being with them in kids' yeah. classes. There are moments when there are seasons in my life in ministry when because, 
I know this will not resonate with anyone, <laughs> but because our volunteer team was a little thin, yep. um, I've been in kids' classes week mm-hmm. after week after week, and that can be very tiring. I'm yeah. not suggesting that that is a good way to go about kids' ministry, but it sometimes is your reality. Yep. And so uh, in those seasons, there have been moments when I felt unseen or disconnected from my greater church family because I couldn't participate in mm-hmm. the typical life of the body on Sundays, although I think what happens in our kids' classes is just as much a part of that. So, um, but my emotional reaction and sort of spiritual state was one of feeling tired Mm -hmm. and disconnected. So there's a way to go about reconnecting with God and praying for energy and endurance. But also part of what has been so important for me in those seasons is to go into a kids' class And then to actually just watch what's happening in that kid's class. We have amazing volunteers. I have an incredible volunteer team who invest really deeply Mm -hmm. in our kids. And then if I get to go be in class with one of my teachers or if I'm teaching, get Mm -hmm. to interact with a child about a story from the Bible and see something that they say or hear something about their life, just recapturing that often reminds me why it is yeah. that I am even yep. doing this job in the yep. first place. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Recapturing the love of why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's always encouraging and exciting. Anytime you can jump into a classroom yeah. and just overhear the little conversations that they're mm-hmm. having and the things that they're learning about God is always really sweet. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love talking to you. I think what you said is so incredibly helpful and encouraging to the kids ministry leaders who are listening. And we'll definitely have to have you come back on. Maybe to talk about your volunteers. That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have amazing volunteers. But if you're listening and you have found the secret to uh, just, you know, keeping that volunteer tide rolling, you can hunt me down and tell me what it is. Because in 10 years, I have not yet discovered that. Yes, we are all always learning. Yeah. Always. (laughs) You know what I learned? Lauren, I'm going to go to the kids' ministry site and look at those volunteer uh, job descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. This was a thing that was on my list to do, to rewrite them. So I'm going to go check them out. Cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Friends, wasn't that conversation with Autumn so encouraging? I love how she shared their experience in their church context, how they partner with parents, not only from a kids ministry perspective, but from a church-wide perspective. I love Autumn's heart to serve families in the foster care and adoption process and in that community. And I think that matters in the church. We want our local church to be a place where all kids and all families can belong and hear the story of the gospel. And she gave us some incredible tips and tricks on how to do that well, but also not carry the burden on our own, but encourage and invite other ministry leaders to come alongside and help care for these families. As always, we will list all the things that Autumn and I talked about in the show notes, and you can head down there to learn more about Project 127, how they are partnering with parents and training their volunteers, and that's it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved it, we would love for you to share it with a friend, pass it along to a fellow kids ministry leader. We would love for you to rate and review our podcast because that's how other kids ministry leaders find it. And as always, you can head over to Instagram and Facebook and continue the conversation at Kids Ministry Circle. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time.